0: Hey, welcome everybody uh, to This Week in Housing. It's Tom Ferry. It is April 10th. It's about uh, 1257 in the West, and we're going to be starting just in a few minutes. Um, We're doing something a little bit different today. We're getting everybody on a little bit earlier because today we're going to talk about the housing market. We're going to talk about uh, the word recession, and we're going to talk about job loss in the U.S. and how all of this, is impacting homeowners today and real estate professionals and lenders and more. So uh, it's going to be a powerful conversation. Uh, I'm going to check in really fast and just take a look at where we're at. All right, Looks like we are live and going, Tristan, though I'm not seeing anything on this screen over here, so I might need to refresh. So if you're getting on early, thank you. We appreciate that. We decided that uh, unlike in the past work. It would be weird if you started a Broadway show starting, you know, directly at one o'clock and then had everybody join in. Now we're getting everybody on a little bit early. So, hey, Kerry Perez. Hey, Willie. I see you out there. Annika, congrats. Coach Don in the house. Okay. Now I'm seeing it all. Perfect. All right. So, again, it is uh, it is April 10th. It's Tom Ferry. Welcome to This Week in Housing. Uh, as always, I've got uh, my great guests and co-host, uh, David Childers, who is on the mortgage side and spearheading almost all of the content now for KCM and how I, you know, sort of kindly refer to you as mentor, AKA the Oracle of real estate, Mr. Steve Harney as well. Um, we're going to talk about some of the tough issues today, my friends. So I hope you're in a place where you can sit back, you know, maybe have some tea, take a lot of notes, get ready to learn. And it's and always, um, step up our leadership because that's really what this is all about. Um, you know, I was sharing before we started the show, just as we're waiting for everybody to get on. I have a, a father-in-law who passed away last October, who is a World War II vet, uh, born and raised in Boston, and uh, went out and set sail on the SS Cambria. And, you know, I remember having many conversations with him about leadership. And I also remember, you know, having a lot of conversations with Michael Frank, who I was just with last November, who is now, uh, I want to say 97, 98 years old. And my, my mother-in-law, God bless her, who's upstairs, her eldest brother, who after Pearl Harbor, both these guys and 20 other, 29 other guys basically on their street raised their hand and said, I'm in. I'm going to go serve. I'm going to go do my part. And I, I look at that generation as as many of us do, whether it was you know our parents or our grandparents or uncles or aunts or just you think about all the extraordinary movies and and in stories that we hear from that time, they refer to them as the greatest generation ever. And when I think about my uncle Frank, who said to me, you know, very candidly, hey, for an additional $25, rather than just going into the Navy or the Army or the Marines, I said, I'll be a paratrooper. And I'm one of the only people in the family that ever heard the story of him basically, you know, jumping out of an airplane on D-Day at Normandy and landing behind enemy lines. And the way he describes that story people around him dying, friends, people that had become, you know, that band of brother that we all hear about and him saying, you know, I now have to step up and lead. I have to step up and lead. He, he didn't sign up for leadership. None of us right now watching my friends signed up for this. And yet what I'm inspired by right now is how many people I see around the country, around the world that are stepping up and leading And you might be watching this and saying, you know, Tom, I'm not a leader. I'm not a manager. I'm not, I don't know my own company. And I'm going to say to you, you know, my mother who is retired, right? Who's living up in Oregon is right now sewing masks, actually with a sewing machine that she, you know, got from my stepsister. She's sewing masks. She's leading. I think about every one of you that reached out and called a friend or sent him a text or, or use some of the information that we're providing on this show to educate your friends and your past clients in your sphere, you're leading. You're leading when you're sitting at the dining room table and you choose to hold you know, your children's hands and, and maybe say something you're grateful for or a prayer or a blessing. That's a moment of leadership. That's a moment of leadership, just like selling a house today in, in a more challenging environment where you have to navigate you know, things that you never even thought of three or four weeks ago and yet you're doing it. You're doing it, my friend. And that's leadership. So, you know, David and Steve and I get to talk a lot and I'm, I'm in this dialogue with a lot of people and I'll, I'll share this quickly and then we'll get to the sort of the core of what we want to discuss today. And that is right now, there's basically three rules for leading in a crisis. And there's a lot of books written on this. And I'm, I'm really going back to mentors of mine, you know, men that were around in those times and even talking to my mother-in-law who was around in that time, but in a different capacity, she was leading as well. The three things I know about great leaders in environments like this, number one is they see things as they are. They don't make it better and they don't make it worse. And that's why, you know, doing this show and having David and Steve come on here and share screens and slides and examples and data, allowing you to do the same. Steve was reminding me, uh, the book, the art of leadership by Max Dupree. And he said, the leader's first job, he said, Tom, as you say, see things as they are, is the ability to define reality right? To define reality. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about some hard-hitting truths. And then how do we do the second step of leadership, which is to communicate? We need to be communicating right now, whether it's an email or video or in text or a phone call or via Zoom sessions or on live on Facebook. But right now, now more than ever, my friends, and I'm, I'm really speaking to my real estate agents around the world. In the US, there's 1.4 million agents. Right In Canada, it's about 10%. In Mexico, it's a very similar number. What we know today is that there's very few agents that have adapted the way we need to in this environment, that we still have agents that are struggling to, to pivot, to make the adjustment, to, to say, screw it, I'm going to go on Facebook or I'm going to go use a product like Zoom or Google Hangouts or something else. And you know, here we are today talking about job loss in the US. And, and I know agents today, and so do you. And I don't wish ill will on them. I actually, this is a calling for them to come back. It's a calling for them to come back. We have staggering numbers of unemployment that has happened just like that in our country. And what, what makes me nervous, upset, uh, willing to go care and care front a lot of people is I would bet we have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of real estate professionals that have literally furloughed themselves. Nobody terminated them. No one said to them, you can't sell a house. No one said you can't go to work, right? No one said, hey, you, you know, there's no way you can do it. No, they furloughed themselves. And I'm, I, I wish for all my friends out there that just for today, you'd reach out to five agents, you know, in your marketplace and tell them we need them back because we are going to get through this. I just believe right now that, like the, the men and women we all admire and respect and and speak so highly of the greatest generation ever. Part of the solution for our economy is the greatest generation of real estate professionals that are willing to step up and get outside of their comfort zone and make that phone call. Steve Harney, you said to me weeks ago, nobody is handing you a gun. We're just saying make calls, help people, right? Make a difference reach out, connect, and educate people on what's happening in the market. So I want to just open with that because this is really about leadership, my friends. So first of all, with that said, let me say uh, welcome to David and to Steve. Welcome, guys. It's April 10th. Thank you for being on the show again this week. Um, first of all, how are we, do, we doing, guys?
1: Hey, um, thanks for, for having us again, Tom. Uh, I, you know As we go through the week and our team is doing you know, different things, writing blogs, doing research, I look forward to these times where we just get to sit down and talk about yeah. what is happening. And you made a critical point of, let's talk about the news, not good news, not bad news, just the news and and how we go out and we, we bring that to the market. So thanks for for having, having me on as a part of this conversation.
0: Yeah, we appreciate you, my friend. Uh, the Oracle, Mr. Harney, how are we doing, my friend? I, I, I have a feeling you've done about 11,000 of these podcasts and, and webinars in the last few weeks, as David has
2: uh yeah we, we, we david and i've been pretty busy there's no question as far as that's concerned and we're trying to help as many people as we possibly can uh there is a little bit of difference but i'll tell your audience that when we're here on fridays this is what we know we're talking to the best of the best yeah whether they be your coaches whether they be people who take your coaching whether people in your ecosystem you know they we know how good they are and like even today's um the three questions we're going to be answering today um they're all tough questions. Yeah. I'm not sure with a different group, I would put all three questions in one place <laughs> in one session. But I know your group, like you just said, you're calling them the arms. Your group is prepared for this. And when we go at the data, all the challenges that your clients and customers and even other agents are throwing at you about, this is the end of the world. The sky is falling. Yeah. And none of those three cases is that really true. So what we're going to do today is tackle the toughest issues you're going to have to tackle, and gives you the ammunition you're going to need to win that battle.
0: Thank you, Steve. And again, we're talking about stuff that, you know, people are going to hear more and more about, certainly tragically over this weekend, over the next yep. few days, the, the headlines that are going to be hitting you. And you're, you're really, my friends, by being on this show, whether you're watching with us live or you're watching, you know, over the weekend, um, you're really getting ahead of the curve. So for that, I congratulate you. That, that's what leaders do. So, so Steve, why don't we go right to the first question, which is, you know, we've been talking about this V-shape recovery and, and a lot of people are really struggling with it. They're struggling to, to grasp how it could possibly go down so hard. And then supposedly is what's on a lot of people's minds go up so high. So what's the latest right now, at least in, in all of the, the most important circles on the recovery, specifically the V. Okay. So anytime
2: and do, hold the slides just yet, David, I'll tell you when to put them up. The anytime at here at uh, keeping current matters that we're wants to take you know, a stand or like put stuff out. We don't take like if somebody from a YouTube channel says, oh, I think this is going to happen. Oh, we got to talk about that. Or somebody writes a crazy headline to, you know, to get a bunch of clicks. We don't talk about that. We go to, all right, who are the the really reliable sources over the years, all right, that we can look to? And what's the science behind what they're saying? If we could really line that up, we get very, very comfortable saying, yes, we don't know for sure. Asking me when the bottom's going to hit and where it's going to turn around is like asking Dr. Fauci, when is the pandemic going to be over? We got a kind of a range, but we can't pick a date. All right. So, David, throw that up and I'll tell you why most people, the vast majority, believe that we're going to have a V-shape. Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan and Morgan Stanley. And we tried to add up the trillions of dollars they handle combined of the richest people in the world. But we weren't that good at math. We couldn't add that high. That's how many trillions of dollars they handle. So we have some of the most prominent, richest people in the world, depending on them for analysis. Very rarely would the, all three agree almost identically, but that happened this time. So they're all saying that in the second quarter with that, we're into this terrifying ride down. And then when we hit bottom, we're in this exhilarating ride up. Now as we move forward, we're gonna keep on looking at that and they're gonna keep on looking at it and we'll talk a little bit about that in a second. Uh, I don't know that it's gonna be, as I said before, a ball bouncing going straight up uh, that hard, but we, what we're saying is it's gonna be quick going down and quick coming up. And as we get more and more data on that, we'll share that with you. But I want you to understand there's also a science behind this. Go to the next slide, David. As a matter of fact, the Harvard Business Review just came out and said, it's worth looking back at the history to place the potential impact path of a COVID-19 empirically. In fact, V shapes monopolize the empirical landscape of prior shocks, including epidemics such as SARS, the 1968 H3N2 flu and the 1958 H2N2 flu and the 1918 Spanish flu. For, for the last hundred years, all the major pandemics act, from an economic standpoint led to a V-shaped recovery. So that's Harvard telling us, you know what? Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan and Morgan Stanley probably got this right. Outside of that study, go to the next slide with John Burns. John Burns did their own study and they found out the historical analysis showed that pandemics are usually V-shaped. Here we go, different study, same result. Sharp recessions that recover quickly enough to provide little damage to home prices. And some very cutting edge search engine analysis by our information management team showed the current slowdown is playing out similarly thus far. So what do we have? We have three of the major, and the only reason we're not reporting the others, those, that, those numbers are not coming out yet. Three of the major financial institutions in the world are saying we're headed for a V-shape. And the science behind what's going to happen now from a pandemic says the same exact thing. So I don't want any agent to say, this is what's going to happen. Because no one says, knows when this is going to happen. I want you to be like Dr. Fossey, the leading expert there could possibly be that your people are talking to, and they're giving them, like Dr. Fossey does, well, this is what we think is happening, and we have to be a little bit open. But the best advice I can give you now, based on what we know now, is this. And I think there are too many agents saying, well, just in case I'm wrong, I don't want to say anything. Well, if you don't say anything, the average is controlled by people saying we're going to lose 25 percent probably in the first three months of value in homes. When in reality, what the survey show, little damage to home prices.
0: So, Steve, I'm so glad you, you brought this up. And I just want to interject for a moment that, you know, like like the two of you, I have talked to tens of thousands of people you know, just in the last few weeks. And, you know, in some cases, tens of people in a day, one-on-one in small groups. And it's startling to me how many people keep saying, this is just like 2007, 8, 9. We're going right back into it. I can feel it. My buyers are asking me, am I going to get a smoking deal? Sellers are panicking. We don't want to reduce our price. We're going to take our home off the market. Listen, I think so much of the misinformation is because of the wounds that we still feel emotionally from seven, oh, eight, nine, 10. So, can can you just speak to that, or David, thoughts on that? Just
2: actually, we're, we we have a whole group. Right, you know what, David? Let, let's let wing it. All right, let's go to the recession piece because that's really what you're asking. Is this going to be the recession of 2000? Right. Right. All
0: right? Yeah. But
2: before we go there, let me just let me give you just finish it up on the pricing side for people. Please. But I love what you just said, Tom, because. I got a bunch of calls yesterday. Did you see the headlines? You know, listings are down 27%. And these were agents calling me. And I was like, whoa, time out. How is that news to you? Yeah. So, so, so what do you mean? I said, well, 96% of the country right now is on a lockdown and they have to stay at home. You didn't think listings were going to go down? Yeah. When we see some of these horrific headlines coming out the next days, guys, ladies and gentlemen, take the seven words I try to give you. Calm down, sit down, think, plan, act. When you get to the thinking line a month from now or 45 days from now, when NAR comes out with the sales report, oh, my God, the headline is going to be horrible. We know right now the headline that sales are going to be horrible. Because we can't do the same thing we did. I'm not saying no houses are going to sell. But if we have 96% of the world on the country in a lockdown, we're going to sell less houses than we would have if there wasn't a lockdown, all right? So, of course, those numbers are going to – so don't get caught up with that. And the simplest way to handle uh, an objection for a buyer or seller on that is to say exactly that. Hey, we knew this was coming. This shouldn't be news to you. Of course, any logical person is going to say, oh, you know what? You're right. I didn't think of it that way. When I saw the headline, I got all crazy. All right. So what, what do I say to a seller right now, a buyer right now? Hey, there's less houses for sale. That means the price is going to go up. <laughs> so you, you know, they, if you're looking to buy right now, then this is the time. If I'm talking to a seller, there's less buyers. I wouldn't adjust the price because there's a lot less houses too, but you might want to negotiate. You might want to make sure that, you know, you keep that person tight because you might not get five offers on your house right now. All right. And in some cases you might.
0: So, Steve, before we go to the recession conversation, because I know that's on the minds of everybody. Um, sure. I just, I, just, I want to go back first. I, sure. I jumped ahead in my sort of my mindset with my questions. I want to go back though first. Can you, David, we showed the very first slide. Yeah. The one with Goldman Sachs. And, you know, we can all be off the screen. I just want them to see this slide again. Steve, you mentioned something to me um, when we saw just the first version of this that was just Goldman saying this. And you said something to the effect of, you know, these men and women are managing, you know, $1.7 trillion for some of the wealthiest people on the, on the planet. Um, could you, could you just remind people of what, what is the negative impact for Goldman, JP Morgan and Morgan Stanley by giving their clients bad information?
2: Uh, well, <laughs> if you're worried about reputation, if they're giving them bad information now, and I'm not saying that their advice is going to be perfect. They might shift it too. They might say, as we're moving along, we're going to make it a little bit slightly different. But they're going to give them the best advice possible at that moment in time. And if it's not the best advice possible, they're going to lose the ability to manage their money. People are going to take their money out and invest it someplace else. A better example, I think, even is the Dr. Fauci situation. Yeah. Dr. Fauci can't tell us when the pandemic. He's trying as hard as he possibly can. But he's on TV every morning. You can get him at the 6 o'clock show, on on ABC and you can see him at 10 o'clock at night on NBC because he's not hiding from the fact he can't give perfect advice because as a professional. He understands no one in the world can give perfect advice about anything. A doctor can't give you perfect advice. If you have cancer, he can't tell you that this is what's going to happen. You're going to say, listen, this is what could happen. This is the treatments I suggest. This is what your test is showing me right now. Let's go down to a process and I'll hold your hand through the process and maybe we have to change the thing here, or change the thing there, a treatment or a medication. All right. If you go to an attorney, like I said, all professionals, they don't know what the end result's going to be, but they're going to guide you to get to the best result they could possibly be. And that's what we do. So, the, the simple answer to your question is their reputations are ruined. Yeah. All right. Simple answer to, to Dr. Fauci, he's worked 30 years in this industry. He knows he's going to take a hit from that one or two guys said, well, you told us it was going to be June 15th and now it's June 16th. You are off. He doesn't care about those people. He cares about all the other people. He's helping make good decisions with as they're going through the process. I agree.
0: I agree. So, so David, I'm actually going to transition to you if I may. And and by the way, I want to remind everybody as we're shooting this live um, just in the last three shows, we've had nearly a half a million views and a lot of that is because you understand that what we're talking about here, yes, we may be talking to you as a real estate professional, as a mortgage uh, loan originator or someone in the title or escrow business, but this this information is universal for everybody. So, you know, interesting enough, we've had 1,471 people share one of these videos just in the last three weeks. And I would encourage you um, to do the same. And if you're, if you're a consumer and you're watching this right now, first of all, thank you. Um, know that you know, my organization and Keeping Current Matters together, we work with these extraordinary real estate agents around the world. And and our mission is always the same, to arm them with the right information so they can serve you. Like this isn't about causing you to try and sell when you don't feel comfortable or causing you to buy when you don't feel comfortable. This is about making sure that our agents are the knowledge brokers, that they can help you navigate a sale if you choose to, or if it means to wait to intelligently show you how you should do that and how to potentially time this. So, for all my friends out there, if this makes sense to you, this may be something you want to, you might want to share and then take bits and pieces of this and and get it out in your social. So, David, um, the big question right now that's on everybody's minds and and you know it's 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 hard, right? But the question is unemployment yeah. and the impact of unemployment. So so I'm 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 throwing you the hard question, my friend. Give us the update and let's talk about it. Hey, it's Tom Ferry. Question, what's your favorite social media platform? Are you big on Insta? Do you love to tweet? No matter where you answer, I'd love for you to connect with me there. All you gotta do is just type in at Tom Ferry and follow and let's you and I connect. I wanna be able to deliver the right content, the right ideas, the ways to help you grow your business, stay fired up, keep moving, be in action and run plays that work. Platform that matters most to you. So subscribe, and I'll see you there soon.
1: Let's talk about that update, and it's it is the question, Tom. We see a lot of that coming in from um, you know members uh, of KCM and and different people that we talk to in the industry, and we know it's a it's a it's a question out there. So what I want to do is I want to let's walk through and let's look at some of the numbers, and then we'll we'll, we'll kind of discuss that. Okay. So when we start to look at this, I want to throw this graph up here real quick. This graph shows U.S. unemployment back through the 70s, if you see it on the left-hand side. And you kind of, you see it kind of going along. And it really, you know, if you look at it, we've gone through times in our country where we've had high unemployment. And and certainly we we know that, you know, in, in our heads. But this underscores just the number of job loss that we've seen. In the last couple of weeks this shows the first two weeks we're going to talk about the third week here in just a second this week um but numbers that we've never seen before i mean i mean very very high numbers of uh of of unemployment uh and 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 this graph shows that as a picture so that is the current reality that we're living in so if we if we broke that down by week What we know is the first week, March 21st, we saw a little over 3 million uh, people file for unemployment benefits, 3.3 million. Um, Last week, uh, that number was ratcheted up to 6.9 million people. Uh, And then this week, we got the number of 6.6 million people, almost 18 million people across this country signing up. For unemployment benefits because they've lost their job, and it, it you know that that number while we, we talk about it historically t- to put it in uh, perspective during the Great Recession there were about eight point seven million jobs lost so the the headlines are are you know it's going to be it's double that I mean we're, we're dealing in numbers here that are tremendous and we're going to talk about that in just a second I want to show you some things and. Compare that, but 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 a very large number. So the question that's been coming up is what makes that number up? Who is losing their jobs? And and we do have a first look at that. I do want to caution people that this is not reflective of this entire group. In the way unemployment is recorded and, and then released, it's reflective of about the first 700,000 people that lost their jobs. And I want to take a look at that and 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 again, caution you that this is a small segment of of people that have filed. But I think what we can look at as well is it should be reflective um, somewhat of what we should see in the future. But we're going to have to wait uh, to get that number until uh, the first uh, week in May, the first part of May, when when that number is published, so that we can look at that across all of these numbers. So. When we break these numbers down, or the US Department of Labor does, and they give us that report, we see that 60%, call it 59.5% of the people filing for unemployment are working in uh, restaurants. These are servers, these are bartenders. Uh, And we know that, we we know kind of to the point earlier that Steve made about listings, restaurants are going, uh, some shutting down altogether. Uh, others going to take out uh, only and in and, and a serious uh, percentage of the people they employ are without employment right now. But what we know is that when uh, the economy starts to come back, those people are going to get their jobs back. And so um, there, there are three things really that, that I think we want to look at in that. Um, when, is, when is this over? this coronavirus uh, over? Um, when does the economy start to come back? And lastly, when do people feel like they can go out and, uh, eat in a restaurant when they can go out and go to a ball game? Those are three things that our team is looking at right now that I don't think we have, uh, the, the exact answer for by, by any stretch of the imagination right now. So we're, we're starting to look at that and we'll update that as we start to get more data in and, and look at more, but let's go through this and let's look at it starting from the, the bottom and working our way up, construction workers make, make up 4% of that number. And what we know, housing is positioned by a lot of things we've talked about, Tom, to pull us out of this. And we expect those construction jobs to come back as the economy comes back. And we know the need for construction is not, not going to go away. Healthcare office workers, these are people working in doctor's office. Dentist office. I know I had a dental appointment and they canceled it. You know, nobody's coming together to do those things. Those jobs are coming back when we come back online. You know, we've often talked about the, the pause button being pushed. And when that pause button's unpushed or play button's pushed, those jobs come back online child daycare workers making up almost three percent i guarantee you those jobs are coming back we're we're all at home with our kids right now and and you might even want to pay those people more for for the great work they do to to watch kids every day um temporary health services you see that at seven percent there Uh, maybe slower to come back the temp industry um and, and so you know, you go up retail trade, people are going to want to get back into stores, again, answering those questions. When are we able to do that? Um, the accommodation industry, you can see at 4%. I uh, think of hotels and, uh, and, and travel-related services. And so that gives you perspective about those numbers and, and begins to start to paint the picture. And though I would caution, this is an early, early look of who, you know, is being affected by this uh, and being affected by the lack uh, or the loss of employment.
2: So, David, let me just jump in here for a second ahead. just uh, to, to reiterate what you were saying because I want everyone to get that. We now have, I think it's like 60 million people have lost their jobs in the last three weeks. It's somewhere in that ballpark, okay? So with that being the case, I want you to understand that this this chart, it should not be shared out in your your social media or anything like that, because it's not, we don't know. This is the first 700,000, the first to be laid off, the first to lose their jobs. We don't know if the other 60 million are going to break down this way. What we did want to show you is that in the first 701,000, 59.5%, when we do come back, they're back. Of that first 701,000, that dark blue section Yeah, they're coming back. If we slow up, and that's what we're looking at right now, as David said, we're looking at reports right now saying, well, what will human beings do right after a pandemic? Will they be, will Americans be quick to jump back out and go to a ball game and do those things? So then we have a section there that's that's orange saying, yeah, we think they're going to come back. The 9.8% is a group like the miners. They've been losing jobs for 10 years. They're going to continue. They're not coming back at all. But now, the important thing that everyone understands, we only get this data once a month. And the next report is uh, May 8th. So I can guarantee you on May 8th, every, KCM, every person who works at KCM is going to be working on that report. <laughs> and we're going to be analyzing that report. And we're hoping at the end of the day on May 8th, we can give you the same chart with the new numbers. That will be much more reflective. How much will they change? I'm not sure. I won't know until May eighth, but we wanted to at least give you some sort of feel, because like when your people say, Well, all these people lost their jobs, they're never going to work again. Well, yeah, the daycare workers are. the bartenders and and the people serving us are, all right? So we wanted to give you a feel for that because that, I thought that was important. Everyone working in a doctor's office and dentist's office, they're definitely coming back, right So the uh, there's a whole bunch of things here, but again, I don't this was for your education, the people on this call. Not necessarily say, oh, good, you know, we don't have to worry about anything. No, let's not let's not take that stand until May 8th. Then we'll know what we have to
1: worry about. Yeah, yeah. That, that point, Steve, um, of, of looking to the future and seeing, okay, of these people that are losing their jobs and being able to deliver this, our team, and you mentioned, is working hard on that. So, so let's talk just a little bit, Tom, about projections going forward. And then I want to do a couple of comparisons because – so many of the headlines, like we're talking about, are talking about, hey, we're seeing historical um, uh, yes. unemployment and 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 you know, comparing it to past times. So we're going to do that too. So, first, let's look at what Goldman Sachs is saying right now about about unemployment rate. And we chose Goldman Sachs in this scenario as a conservative measure. I'll tell you, the, the contra- Congressional Budget Office thinks we'll get as high as 12%, and JP Morgan has said 8.5%. So we've taken the highest one, and again, they may update these as time goes on, I'm sure they will, but right now they're saying in 2020, we're going to see 15% unemployment across the country. So first, as, as we as we start there, let's remember that as 15% are unemployed, that means 85% are still employed, okay? And then as we move into 21, 22, and 23, we see this gradual uh, slope down at 6 to 8% next year, and then 5 and 4% the years after. So yeah, some, some of that, you know, hang around a little longer, but not at the level of what we're seeing this year. Because a lot of the headlines are, hey, we're seeing unemployment right now that is rivaling or going to be greater than the Great Depression. Or I talked about before, numbers that have been published in the last few weeks are double the Great Recession. So the research team at KCM went back and and compared these and and built this graphic, which is really telling. Before you Uh, go there,
2: Dave, go back to the other graphic for a second. There are two things that you worry about unemployment in the housing industry and the economy. One is the depth of that un- unemployment, how many people lose their job, and the next thing you have to worry about is the length of the unemployment. Is it for a short period of time? Is it for a elongated period of time? That's the difference I want everyone on this phone call to understand. We're going to get hit hard up front. We told you that the first day we were here. We're in, buckle up, everybody. Keep your hands inside the car because we're going down fast. But again, here's another projection that's saying that well, once we hit bottom, things are going to get better pretty quick. Now, David, because people, I hear people, this, this is going to be worse than the Great Depression right. of 1929, right. that's telling me. So right. let's take a look at not, the, not only the depth of the unemployment, but the length of the unemployment.
1: Great, Good point. Good point. So that's that. That's the research that that I was talking about. That's represented here. So if we start on the left side and we look at those two things, length and depth, we see the Great Depression. We see depth there, and we see length uh, over the '30s, and we certainly have heard stories uh, about that. Um, we see the Great Recession. We can start to look at that, and we see. Uh, maybe not as much depth, but we do see some length there of that hanging around in 2009, 2010, and 2011, and that eight or nine percent.
0: Whoa, 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 whoa. To- Go ahead. Some length?
1: Some length, that, did you just that, say? Yeah,
0: that, that looks like a solid.
2: 2009, 2010, yeah. 2011, 2012. That's a yeah. long time even for someone I'm not that this old years of people not getting their job back right right
1: no it's a it's a good point i guess I, I look at those red numbers and say it's not what the great depression was but but certainly we see length there um and, and then we look at the current crisis and, and taking those numbers from jp morgan at 15 percent this year and then the scale down 68 6 to 8 uh next year and then five and four percent so Visually there, we can see while very high and, and nobody's debating that, it's not at the uh, at the length of of what we certainly we saw uh, during the Great Depression uh, or the Great Recession um, and, and, and paints a picture of how we can put that into perspective as we get those questions and as we have those conversations.
2: You almost have to ask yourself, ladies and gentlemen, this is probably gonna be a horrible analogy or metaphor. But if you were being tortured, would you take a strong torture for a short period of time? Or would you take a slightly lower level of torture for four years? And that's the difference between these two. We're going to have some pain short term. And to be honest with you, I don't know that the housing market's going to have the pain that everyone else is going to have. We're going to have some pain for the short term. But then we're going to be okay and we're going to come out. Now, here's the bad news. You know, Tom gave a lot of beautiful imagery, beautiful imagery uh, about, you know, what our grandparents and our parents did. They picked up guns to go to war. We're picking up, like, a channel selector. You know, like, that's what we're doing. That's what they were asking us to do. So there's a beautiful imagery there of the sacrifice and the duty and the call to duty. And, you know, the honor we pay the, that generation because of what they did. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'll I'll make a different analogy along the same lines. I think that there are some agents somehow waiting in the housing market for the Calvary to come. I need to help everyone understand. We are the Calvary everyone else is waiting for. There is no group of people that can best impact or better impact the housing market than the realtors across this country. And there's no better, like, if that's the the, the, uh, uh, tremendous army, what we have on this call really are the special forces, the best of the best. If we don't answer this call right now, what's going to take place is we have people going through a health crisis right now. We have people, and I'm not saying a housing crisis would be, uh, in 2008 was as bad. Back then we lost houses. Right now we're worried about losing our parents and our grandparents. So I know there's a different situation. I was born and raised in New York. I have friends and family up there right now. I, un- I understand that situation, but what we can't let happen to those families that the, the, to get a second punch in the stomach, we have to make sure that we, we can't handle the health crisis. We're not gonna come up with the vaccine. We're not gonna turn around and come up with a cure for the you know, coronavirus, but what's gonna happen next is if we don't get to work right now and stay working right now. You know, in, in, ladies and gentlemen, everyone's going, oh, but nobody, you know what you do? Find all the people that bought Airbnb houses near you. You live on the coast of North Carolina, every one of those houses is an Airbnb. You know what all those people don't have this summer? Rent. Why don't you go out and talk to those people? Not go out and talk to this, pardon me. Why don't you find those people? and have discussions with them because they might be looking to sell right now. Let's, again, instead of getting crazed about things, let's calm down, sit down, think, plan, act. How many, 90% of all the investment homes in this country, everyone yells about, well, the big investors are buying, the big investors have about 4% of the rental properties in this house, uh, in this country. 96% are owned by mom and pops like me and you. We might decide now, that you know, we're not getting the rent like we did, and we got maybe now's the time for us to liquidate our portfolio and put that cash into something else. We have to start thinking now instead of worrying. We have to start planning instead of like hiding under the bed. That's what this is about. Because and it's not even for our commissions. It's not even for our money. If that family who lost the grandparent then has to lose their house. Man, oh, we know the damage that was done the last time just because they lost the house. <laughs> we can't let this be a double hit. Sorry, David, I got in the way of you. I apologize. Sorry, let's I say, listen,
0: Oracle, preach, <laughs> preach. So, so, David, going back to that slide, let's, yep. let's reiterate, because we've had a lot of new people, you know, jump on the line here. We're okay. looking at the first hundred one thousand 1,000 uh, of the current unemployment rates what that looks like. We're also looking at May 8th being the next day that we get all of the updates. And then KCM and us, we will all be pushing out that information for everybody. Remember, the, the game is always to see things as they are, right? To define reality and then to communicate effectively with your past clients, your sphere, your buyers, your sellers. And David, I think the, I think the graphic um, specifically about you know the Great Depression, the Great Recession, right. and then today – is a very important piece for us to be looking at because when you showed me that first one that just showed that straight line and then a spike, right. I, 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 you know, my stomach got upset. Right. Cause it just, it looks, it looks startling. Right? right. And yet when you look at this and say, okay, in comparison, you know, yeah, the 15%, that 16%. That's painful because everyone watching right now, I'm looking at Tristan on my team. That's, that's his wife, Stephanie. They just yeah. bought their first home. Right. She, she falls into that group. Right. My, my cousin, who I just talked to, who's, you know, a, a senior VP of a huge company, they just said, Hey, we need to furlough you. Right. Yeah. It's happening to our brothers, our sisters, our friends. It's happening to everybody. But the, the distinction is 85% it hasn't happened to. Right. Sir. Yeah. Right. So the, the question is, guys, and I know you've shared this graph and I, and I, I hope, hopefully, you got it again. Do you have that graph on? the interview with the CEOs of companies on how quickly they felt they could respond, how fast they felt they would bring people back. And, and I guess maybe do you find that as relevant today with all the new information?
2: All right. Well, that's a great question, Tom. And, and David, I'd like to answer that question. Yep. That wasn't a one-time survey. They do that survey every couple of weeks. So what we found in the first survey versus the second survey is people got a little bit more conservative. It's mm-hmm. still very powerful. All right. It's still very powerful. Well, more than 50 percent think they're going to be up in 90 days and running. But what we're looking at right now, as we're working our way through this, we're saying, all right, what? And we do have a graph we don't have available right now, but we do have a graph saying, what did they say the first week? What did they say the second week? Because the case here, what we're trying to do is watch the trend right now. Yeah. Same thing that they're doing with the coronavirus. Tom. Watch the trend? Is it going this way that people are saying all these people are dying? Yet Dr. Fauci is going. We might be close, ladies and gentlemen, because he knows that this is what's taking place. We will graph that every two weeks. We don't have it available right there today, but we'll bring it next Friday. David, make a, a message yep. that Not yep. I hide it from anybody. We'll bring it next Friday and we'll show what the difference is. And probably the third week will be there. And now what we'll know is all right uh, is the from the time the pandemic's over. How long will it take us, How that bottom, how, big, how wide would that bottom be? All right? Yep. We don't believe it's going to be a U. We know it's not going to be an L. That's what we had in 2008. It went down, hit the bottom, and stayed there for six, seven years. We know it's not going to be that. But how, how's that little curve at the bottom of the V? How wide is that curve going to be? That's what we're trying to figure out right now. And there are three things that, take, that go into consideration there. The length of the unemployment, which we don't think there's going to be a challenge with. When do people think they're going to come back to the price waterhouse graph that you're talking about, Tom? And also, now I'm, we're, we're, the team is studying the psychologists. What are they saying about the human condition of, hey, will I go out? Will we be wearing masks? We probably will know we're not going to be shaking hands as much anymore. But socially, what has changed now? Will we jump in back into a ball game the day the pandemic is declared over? That's what we're looking at now, because that will give you, you all your followers, Tom, a better understanding, a perfect understanding. No. Now I will tell you that I don't think that's going to be bad news. I think it's going to be good news as we go across. But let's assume there's going to be times when there's some tough news. You know, there's a rule that I lived by when I ran my 550 agent uh, real estate company. Good agents know how to deliver good news. Great agents know how to deliver tough news. I don't want any people that can only deliver the good news. I want great agents. And even the conversation we're having here, Tom, and I don't want this to anyone to think that I'm blowing smoke up your rear end or their rear end, all right? You have the best of the best. There's only one conference I go to every year. It's yours. It's not because of your good looks. When I get a bunch of that group of people, I get energized for another 12 months. You have the most special group of any other group that comes together, of agents that come together. Thank now, you so here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. It's on you. It's not on the rest of them. It's on you. So what we're saying is the entire world economy is looking to collapse. And part of the reason that's looking to collapse is because the United States economy is looking to collapse. And the only thing that could stop that is we have to bring housing back in a big way. So that's responsibility of the people on this call. You are not just the soldiers in this. You are the generals in this. So what I just told you, in case you didn't have enough pressure already, you're responsible for bringing back the world economy.
0: Yeah,
2: that's where we're at now. Because the United States economy is not coming back. The world economy is not coming back. The United States economy is coming back. And the United States economy, everyone, the reason they're pushing so much money toward um, real estate-related re- things and mortgage-related things is the, the government knows the fastest way out of this is the people on this call housing.
0: Hundred percent. So don't see, blow it, guys. Yeah. I mean, you and I are on the same page. I know David is too. And this has been my rallying call just for the last, you know, 72 hours that, you know, we need to lead. No one's handing you a gun. We're saying to you, make phone calls, send emails, communicate with people, educate people, be of service. Like that's what Dr.
2: Fauci from six o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock at night. Right. Get the message out.
0: That's right. So, fellas, we've covered a lot of ground, but there is the one big question that I need to ask both of you. And David, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with you and then Steve, you can close it out. Uh, you know, look, sounds like we're in a recession. Sure.
1: Yeah, I think the let's let's start here. We we can say, you know, going back to what we've talked about on this call, what do we know right now? The economy is slowing down, businesses are slowing down. Um and we can wait uh, to the traditional definition of that, of two consecutive quarters, or we can say we are in an economic slowdown right now. Yeah. Likely uh, when, when quarter one GDP comes out, it's negative. We know that quarter two uh, GDP is going to be significantly negative. So I think it's it's fair to say as we watch that we are in the definition of a recession in an economic slowdown. Tom, I don't know how much time we have. We have some data on that and quotes. Um, do we have time to go through that, or how do you want to do that? Nobody, nobody's leaving this. David, keep going. Nobody's leaving. So, Steve, why, why don't we? Um, you, you want to kick that off in that conversation? And, okay. and cover- what
2: David was trying to tell you is the uh, two things. And I'm going to talk it a little bit stronger. They, the reason we love David is David tells you, you know, explains to you exactly what's happening. I'm going to give it to you real. I'm much older. I don't care what you think about me. I really don't care about anything like that. We're in a recession, ladies and gentlemen, and they're going to start calling it next week. Yep. The definition, the technical definition of a recession is two quarters. So technically, the bureaucrats can't call it until we're finished with this quarter. But you know what they're going to call back then? That we were in a recession now. (laughs) But now here's the thing. Yes, we're in a recession. The next question is, what does that mean? Bingo. Bingo. Right, that's the question. Because you're right, Tom. And, and, and David, take notes. Next week, we're going to give you all the reasons why this isn't 2008 all over again. That's what we're going to be next Friday's call, a big piece of it, if that's okay with you, Tom. We're going to yep. go step by step by step with all the information we have to slaughter the thinking that this is anything like 2008. We'll kill that myth. But now let's take a look at a recession. David was being nice. He's saying, well, economic slowdown. He's right. People are gonna say, did you see the recession news? You have to say, yeah, I agree with them. I think we are in an economic slowdown because the word recession brings back 2008. I'm not trying to do word games here. I'm taking the definition in the dictionary, the definition, it's an economic slowdown. So what I'm saying, put up that slide with the, the blue sky background, David. Everyone on this call has to understand this. Waiting on you, David. Recession does not equal housing crisis. In your consumers' minds, I know that it does. You have to kill that myth. Now, the way we want to do that right now is this. Let's go through them pretty quickly, David. Go to the first, uh, first uh, quote. This is from Chris Herbert, the Managing Director of the Center for Housing Studies at Harvard University. This is what Harvard is saying. Housing is a fundamental element of every person's well-being. And with nearly a fifth of U.S. gross domestic product rooted in house related expenditures, it is also critical to the well-being of our broader economy. What did I just tell you? The government understands they have to support us because they didn't last time and the country paid a price. So here's Harvard saying, hey, listen, we got to get housing moving. Next slide, David. Mark Fleming. Many still bear scars is what you were talking about, Tom. Many still bear scars from the Great Recession and may expect the housing market to follow a similar trajectory in response to the coronavirus outbreak. But there are distinct differences that indicate the housing market may follow a different path. While housing led the recession in 2008-2009, this time it might be poised to bring us out of it. So now we'll go through that. We do not bring them this time. We'll go through those things that he's talking about next Friday. Next slide. The housing sector enters this recession on the belt rather than overbuilt. That means, as the economy rebounds, which it will at some stage, housing is set to help to lead the way out. So everything we've been telling you is you're worried about a recession. Well, guess who's responsible for making sure that it doesn't it, it doesn't become a bad recession? Who's responsible for that?
0: Us. All of us. Mm-hmm.
2: Us. So if you have a, you have a friend, you can't do this now. You have to figure out how to do it. You know through Zoom, but. If we were allowed to go another, you know, have close personal contact, I'd go under the bed, I'd reach underneath grab them by the hair, and pull them out, of, out from underneath the bed. There are people not on this call because it's too early. They're not still in bed resting. They're hiding under their bed. <laughs> we need an army of agents. We have a great special forces team. You're on this call, but we need an army to get this done. Tom is the general. He's the man, the four-star general. I know he tells me what to do. I know he tells David what to do. He tells David what to tell me what to do. That's how much power Tom has. Listen to him. This is the time that you have to make sure. That's it. And I know there are some people out there saying, well, I don't know with coaching. And ladies and gentlemen, let's make this simple. If you're worried about going forward, you're not worried about the market. You're worried about your ability. You know, there's a quote. The bird doesn't worry about the branch breaking because it's, its confidence, its faith is not in the tree. It's in its wings. Whatever's going to happen now, the people that are working are going to take advantage of it. They're the ones that are going to do that. So as far as coaching, I just hired two coaches. I need a mental coach right now. And I need a coach that can help me on the real estate side, dealing with the leaders in the real estate side. So I'm investing more money right now. And ladies and gentlemen, if you don't think, if you're saying that, well, I'm not sure about the economy, so I don't know if I should do coaching, this is what I'm gonna tell you. You're the guy who has to have coaching. You have to because what you're really saying is, I'm not sure if I'm good enough. Listen to Tom, please, 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 please. And ladies and gentlemen, I don't get a penny. Thomas never offered me one penny when I come out and speak at somebody that doesn't even pay me for my speaking. I'm not doing this for the money.
0: This is a relationship, my friend. This is you and I having a, exactly. a, a, degree, yeah, a sacred bond about wanting to help. So I I appreciate those words. I, I gotta ask you this. The question that's on everybody's minds is: okay, the last time we had a recession, an economic meltdown, housing prices tumbled. I was looking at a piece you guys posted just a few days ago on Instagram. And when I first read it, I, 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 Steve, I couldn't help it. Maybe it's just the side of the times I looked at. it, and I said, Oh my God, you know, we expected home prices on, on average across the country to go up four point something percent. And I saw three and it was in an orange and I thought it was minus three. <laughs> I couldn't help it. I'm just being honest. I know I get it. So let's and, talk and about prices going yeah. forward. All
2: right. Let's, let's talk let's, about we're home in a recession. Let's talk about prices in a recession. Pull up the Doug Bryan slide. Dave. Yep. Dave, Doug Bryant's a chief economist at the um, National Association of Home Builders. Now everyone's, everyone's gonna say, well, you know, he's biased. This is research, this is not his opinion. He did research. With the exception of two recessions, the Great Recession from 2007 to 2009, which was caused by a housing crash and a mortgage market meltdown. Of course, prices were affected. The Gulf, Gulf War recession from 1990 to 1991, which obviously had something to do with 9 kind of, kind of what was happening here a little bit. No other recessions have impacted the U.S. housing market according to the Freddie Mac Home Price Index data collected from 1975 to 2018. So what we're talking about, I think that's 45 years now at 2020. Only twice, only twice in the five different recessions, according to Doug Bryan, the Freddie Mac Home Price Index shows us prices were impacted. Let's go to the next slide, which some of your people are familiar with. CoreLogic did the same study with their data, different set of data, and they found the same thing. Yeah, we took a beating in 2008. But in four of the previous five recessions, only once did prices go down, less than 2%. In the other three recessions, prices actually went up. Ladies and gentlemen, understand a recession does not mean housing crisis, but also understand that your consumers don't get that. That's right. We have to be out there talking about this constantly. So now the latest on home prices moving forward, pre and post uh, the pandemic, you know, as far as projections are concerned, pull up the Ivy Zellman, just the pricing chart, David. Ivy Zellman came out with this, I think, 11 days ago. Because I don't know if you know the name of our company is Keeping Current Matters. So we try to keep really current because we think it matters. That's a joke. All right, so what winds up taking place is, this is what she projected. The blue bars are what she projected two months ago. She thought 2020 prices go up 4.7%. She thought in 2021 they were going to go up 3.8%. She hadn't yet, three months ago, made a projection on 2022 yet. So now the new projections, and she talks to the fact there's uh, post-pandemic, she thinks that this year prices are going to be impacted. They're not going to go up 4.7%. They're only going to go up 3%. Next year, we'll make up some of that appreciation because she projected 3.8 next year. Now she's up above that at 4.2. And then we're going back to what we've kind of experienced over the last couple of years, 4.6. So understand that all the data we're giving you, all the research that everyone's doing, Kind of points to the same thing. Buckle up, keep your arms in the car. We're in for a wild ride down, and we're going to be in a very, very exhilarating ride on the way up. And what I promise you is we will keep you abreast every week that Tom wants us here to what is all right, you know what? They moved the bar by two and a half feet. The same way your doctor would tell you, all right, this is where you are now, this is what I think we should do now. The same way your attorney at the day after day in court would say, all right, after just hearing those witnesses, this is where I think we are. The same way Dr. Fauci gets on every day, now that we have this data, this is where I think we are. We will keep you abreast of that. And I pray to God that you keep your families, your friends, your relatives, your clients abreast of that.
0: I appreciate that, Steve. So as we, as we wrap this up, David, closing thoughts, because we covered a lot of ground and certainly today, I mean, each week we're bringing people a lot of value as our intent. And we know today is a heavier conversation. So uh, David, closing closing thoughts as we uh, send people off into Easter weekend here in the US. Yeah, it is, it
1: is. You know, I, I, I think, Tom, we started this off by saying, hey, we want to bring the news. Um, we we want to talk about, Uh, Not good news, not bad news, but the news and and how to deliver it. And and here's where my mind goes. I've got a quote here from Ben Bernanke. And I think it really sums up uh, a lot of what we talked about. And it says, uh, as, as he went back and looked at 2008, 10 years later, in a retrospective, you know, where we saw a lot of things coming out, a lot of things learned. He said this, my results do suggest that the in, uh, in the absence of the panic the declines in employment, consumption, and output in the early stages of the Great Recession would have been significantly less severe. In the absence of panic, and I think it's speaking to what, what Steve said about yes. you know, folks that are out there, what you've said about people that have furloughed themselves, about our job now is to be out in the market with the news, being able to deliver, this is what's happening. Um, and, and, and again, like Steve said, I've been taking notes over here about 2008, bringing the, bringing the study for next week. Our goal each week is we have these conversations is to bring that to you, to bring the latest
0: information to you. I appreciate it. And for my friends that are watching, I know like if we were on Instagram, you could like heart this up live. And I think you could do that on Facebook. You know, let us know if this is bringing you value, like whether it's in the comments, or texting me or sending us a DM, let us know. Like if this is bringing you value, we're gonna keep doing it. That is our intent. And whether there's one of you on the line or just like, again, the last three shows, the last three weeks we've had, you know, I mean, we're we're gonna be at a half a million views pretty quickly here. So our intent, it's not about the number. It's about how many people we can call to this calling right now to get out and make a difference, to help, to educate. Steve, closing thoughts and then I'll, I'll wrap it up.
2: The uh, the best thing I can say is what David was saying with the panic, ladies and gentlemen. What confusion kind of concern leads to confusion leads to concern, concern leads to fear, fear turns into panic. Right now, I think we still got it at the confusion step. There are some people that are very fearful, but if we let it get to the panic step, then all hell breaks loose. Then then it's like we have to do what we did in two thousand and eight. We have to see families hurt again. We have to see families move out of the house. Their grandfather just died in that house and now they have to give the house away, All right? We can't let that happen to families. This is not, you know, TV makes us to be this, this like, you know, we all sell million dollar houses. We all get this big commission and we go to the country club drinking champagne. We all know that's not true. Occasionally it's true, it's cool when it happens. We sell a big house and get a big commission. But most of the time, we're helping people through the most difficult times of their lives, whether it be divorce or death. A job transfer or a young couple has a baby girl that's born with, you know, challenges, you know, medical challenges. They pick up and leave and sell their house and move to our house next to the hospital that can help that little daughter live. And they want to visit her every day. Those are the things we do. Those people are still out there. There are people right now that need to move, not want to move. Their life is dependent. Their, their daughter, their, their children, their parent, whatever the case is, just think about just the deals you've made over the years. Those people are still out there that need us. We have to be there for them now. It's
0: crucial. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, David. So look, my friends, as we wrap up uh, this week in housing, I want to just go back to the first statement I made to you about you know, my father-in-law, you know, World War II vet on the USS Cambria, or my Uncle Frank, who was a paratrooper who stormed the beaches, was dropped, I should say, over the beaches out of an airplane being riddled with bullets. You know, the greatest generation, I, I, I always ask myself, like, how would they respond to this moment in time? And then I think to myself, I think we're all pretty blessed because we know a lot of really tough men and women that that housing isn't this this thing that we look at like hey it's our way to get rich quick it is a calling for us we recognize that we were built to serve that where we're at our best is navigating the challenging transactions helping buyers and sellers helping people that need to rent educating people every single day like that's what we do when we're at our best i always go back to the the study of harvard and and chapman university right here where they say People create sustainable happiness by doing two things, learning, right? Creating new ideas, learning new information, and contribution. And as we go into the Easter weekend, no matter what your faith is, I would say to you, think about how you can contribute this weekend. And whether that is to a loved one, whether it is texting a friend you haven't talked to in a while, um, you know, maybe maybe making amends with someone that you've you crossed paths with, that you weren't comfortable or maybe just maybe reaching out to five or eight or 10 agents you know in the marketplace that you know they have mentally furloughed themselves. We need them back. You heard all the data. You heard what these guys are talking about. And I reiterate the same point. We're going to get through this together and we need everybody out there to do their part. So as we wrap, God bless you guys. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next Friday on This Week in Housing. Thank you so much.